song you just heard is Sharpshooter by Dylan Roth of New Jersey, a band from New York. And that means I'm Nick Bond. And I'm Brad Hill. And welcome to Darty. Major episode today, Brad. Oh, yes. The, the best major of the year. Yeah, the UK Open, which we'll be talking about towards the end of the episode. But as always, we're going to start with the Premier League. Uh, we are going to change it up a little bit. And we're going to focus on one match, which was the match that I guess proved that Brad has been right this whole time and that Nathan Aspinall isn't garbage. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, he's played pretty okay throughout the Premier League, but this is this was his first win in the Premier League. Uh, he made it to the finals, lost, he'll be shocked, to Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, <laughs> he's so good. Um, yes. But we actually did... Um, I have been able to pull uh, dart by dart data from the PDC website. It is a pain in the ass, but I've been able to do it. And I'm getting quicker, so now each match only takes like uh, 30 minutes as opposed to an hour and a half. So that's good. Uh, so this week we spend we're going to do a deep a bit of a deep dive. Nothing too crazy because this is the first time we're kind of looking at this stuff together. But there's uh, and we'll share this. Uh, with the audience uh, in the notes we will we will let you guys look at this information like i said it's dart by dart so it's literally every single dart thrown during the game which went to the deciding leg the 11th leg and nathan nathan aspinall uh kind of showed uh, what you've been saying this whole time which is that he's he's a rhythm player but he, he was in rhythm in in this match in a way that really uh like he had he had 15 triple 20s on the first dart which is which is good like objectively that's 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 not bad like he he got in rhythm uh what is when he's in rhythm what does he look like when he's playing i mean quite honestly it's it's tough to tell he play he looks very similar whenever he's playing well or playing poorly he's also one of those players if he's not comfortable when he's about to make a throw you will see him a lot of times pause and kind of like mm-hmm. recollect himself before he throws the dart he'll do this in the middle a middle of a throw he'll throw the first two darts and he'll you'll see him kind of like pump fake on the third and then he'll like kind of something just feels off he'll just pause sometimes step away from the Aki, recollect himself, and then step back up for the third dart as well. So he's a player that is very aware of what he's doing, um, which is also so wild that his consistency is just all over the place. Yeah, he seems to think a little bit too much out there. Like you said, he literally will... I've seen it. I've seen it. He literally stops mid-throw and will be like, "Mm mm-mm not not good and it's crazy that he can do that but it's also a situation where you can kind of see the wheels moving and a lot of darts especially for rhythm guys like him and smith it's something that will make it so that he can't consistently get the darts where he wants him to go essentially and Mm -hmm. you can kind of see him like you said, he he wears it visually uh, in a way that is kind of uh, f- 
it's kind of cute to see because you're like, oh, he really, he's like really out there. I think he's a guy that will get much better with age Mm -hmm. because he'll kind of calm down. But one of the reasons you and a lot of other people like him is he's fun to watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you even said kind of already started touching upon it, at least as far as like him (laughs) and his streakiness is concerned. um, He'll have one or two great legs in a row. He'll have poor one and then he'll have another one a great one so his consistency varies even from leg to leg and probably the best example that you see of this is the fact that of all out of all set or out of all of these seven matches that took place during the premier league he had in that match against uh, michael smith he had the lowest average out of any player in any match and still won which just shows you that although he's playing well, he still does have his, his down legs, essentially. Yeah, and if you look, so there's a couple of specifics uh, that, so there's a point in the, I believe it is the sixth leg, where Smith missed four straight darts to close out on two. So he gets stuck in the madhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, which... He doesn't have the ceiling issue that I have, but he's still it's the madhouse is the madhouse for a reason. And the problem is, is that you the problem is that you bust if you hit the board. So you can't you throw in such a way that you are basically just trying to avoid busting until the third dart. Mm-hmm. And it makes it much harder. So the idea that he missed four in a row isn't like, oh, he's the worst player ever. It's that he just got stuck in a bad situation. But it wasn't as though, and I think at some point, I'd have to find where I, I had trouble finding it. But I think he lost two darts that were in for, uh, he lost darts on a throw. It knocked another dart out. So there was a couple of situations that happened. I think it was on the one fourth it was on uh the I, it looks like the fourth his fourth turn of the 11th uh, the 10th like it, it was somewhere in there he he just had a couple of near misses and he had a couple of bad beats but Aspinall definitely and this is something uh, i think it was wayne was uh, announcing that and you can speak to this much more because you've seen him play well uh he kind of gets um it's the opposite of when he's playing poorly and he kind of looks sad. He's somebody who really kind of enjoys playing darts visibly, right? When you watch yeah. him play. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, inter- he interacts with the crowd well, which is really a real good indicator of that. Um, being able to play up the crowd and get them on his side is, is a huge aspect. Um, but yeah, there's, like you said, there's a few of the players that, that you can tell that they love that they get to do this for a living. And he is absolutely, absolutely one of them. He literally like hops around. It's kind of, he's like a kid. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like he has like a, like a childlike spirit of like, like you said, it's awesome. I get to do this for a living. So I'm, I'm glad that he seems to be back in form, which is, I, I always feel weird because I'm not British and that's a very British phrase, but he seems to be back in the groove of being a guy who can make the playoffs. I think at this point, the only person that really feels like he just doesn't have the juice is Snakebite, but even Snakebite is a two-time world champion. So he might be able to figure it out. I'm not a doctor. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, there was a quote he had. I saw it. I don't know if it was, I guess it must have been earlier this week. Um, he's like, yeah, I mean, people were asking about, you know, if he's worried about his performance in the Premier League. And he just gave an answer along the lines of, well, I mean, I could just go out there and win five nights in a row. Yeah. Yeah. He said that during, uh, I, I heard him say that on Love the Darts. Yeah. He was like, I could just win five on the, uh, on the trot. And I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. But <laughs> who could, and, and I, I didn't mean to transition into this, but that's perfect is, uh, Michael Van Gerwen, who's just, oh, he's so good. It's like, it's, this is a perfect format for him because he's the best darts player in the world mm-hmm. in terms Absolutely. of a pure, like he's just better than you. So these quick turnaround games really play to his strengths. And it's kind of incredible to see him not play well, but still play well, uh, which is the magic of a guy like him. Like even when Littler because uh, Littler, I think it's fair to say, seems like he could be this level of talent. Uh, he always plays well and wins or almost loses or, or like loses cl- a close game. But he always seems to play relatively well. I've seen Michael Van Gerwen win more matches while playing poorly. Not even sometimes actually poorly, but like way below his standard more than any human being i've ever seen play other than like certain tennis players where it's just like you are so much better than everyone else that even when you're like at a c and like stuff you're double you're faulting a lot in tennis or you're like hitting it in off the fairway in golf you're just like oh but i can also get there and like the the tiger shot uh where he's in the rough and the two announcers are just like, I don't want to fucking know what this asshole is doing. It's like Jim Nance and some other dude. And they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? And it's basically like, that's what Gerwin, Van Gerwin does. Not Gerwin, but Van Gerwin does. And yeah, you you watched him, though. I think his most dominant year was before you started watching. But uh, you've seen him be dominant. Can you kind of explain? And, and you looked up. 2016 please explain to the people what this man did in 2016 if they don't know yeah absolutely so he was always not always but he's kind of from when i started watching really been more of like the tiger woods of sorts of when tiger was that dominant force in like the late 90s early 2000s but like you were saying the best example of this would be in the 2016 season when he went ahead and won pretty much every major tv championship so that includes the world match play the world grand prix the uk open the grand slam the european championship the premier league the players championship finals the masters the world series finals and then at the end of that entire year he capped it off by winning the 2017 world championship as well so that was a that was a good year for him. Most of the rest of the world, no, but great. 2016 <laughs> was great for Michael Van Gerwen, and it's oh my God, that is just unbelievable. So he has a he also has the record for yeah. most Pro Tour wins with uh, 84. Uh, that was as of last July. So I did, this is just us like quickly checking the Wikipedia because we were talking about how dominant he is. Uh, it's it's truly insane how much how much he actually lived up to the billing of being a mm-hmm. Wunderkin. 
but at the same time it kind of because darts got so good it's very much the lebron thing of like he only won four championships or five however many championships it might be five at this point but he yeah it's i think it's five um he's playing in a much more competitive era than Mm -hmm. phil taylor did Phil Taylor's much and, and Bristow too also won I think however many I think it was five he's kind of set the bar for what a good player has to do to become a, a great player you gotta beat him he's he's like a one of the final bosses of darts and he kind of has the vibe though I really wish though I would assume it's so expensive as to be prohibitive if he entered to the imperial march uh like that would be so much better (laughs) he could just do the jupiter he could just do jupiter from the the planets uh musical uh musical i think it's (laughs) it's like a beautiful uh class piece of classical music but the you know the musical (laughs) that and uh that of the music man so in terms of the premier league he really feels like he's gonna win it like it's it's hard to imagine obviously you can't predict because the last night the last night the last couple of i think is it the last two or is it the last one is it the very last night or the second the last two nights or the playoffs it's, it's, and then the final yeah so with this format it is the f- the the final night they seed all of the players one through eight and then they do it just bracket based on where your seeding is so one versus eight two versus seven three versus six, four versus five, but they don't do it in any way that like it impacts the playoffs. It's just one last night to get as many points as you can. And so specifically that four or five matchup Mm -hmm. usually gets the most attention because it can make or break who qualifies Mm -hmm. for the playoffs, but the actual playoffs themselves is just the, the final night. And it's just the top four after those, those first 16 nights. Okay. So yeah, those are, obviously hard to predict all of the nights are hard to predict but if you had to guess who is going to be the number one or number two seed at worst it would be uh, it would be michael van gerwin he's he's if i were a betting man that would that is very clearly if you could bet the top four van in order it'd be van gerwin so yeah, the, if you had to bet, I think the order would be something like uh, MVG, Butler, Smith, Cross. That would be my guess. That's a yeah, prediction, you, not a spoiler. No, no Humphreys. I I don't I don't know. I feel like he just as much as Luke Littler has. The Lukes very much have targets on their back, and I think that the rocket boosters that Littler has prevent him from getting caught more often on random nights, mm-hmm. like where he just gets slightly outplayed. He's very likely to get like, he's very like unlikely to lose to a guy because his ceiling is 108 average for the most part. And, and Littler's is like, Oh, I can do like 125 for this like random like hey hey this is like 11 darts is that cool and not that Littler, uh, not that humphreys can't but littler routinely seems to fight off losing in a way that humphreys can just kind of be like well 
I'm not. This is this is not going well. And even if he doesn't show it outwardly, he can kind of get knocked on his ass in a way that I've I haven't seen Lillard. Obviously, Lillard's going to get knocked on his ass. He he lost six two to a bus driver. See, <laughs> see, I knew because I forgot his name, so now he's just the bus driver. Uh, but yeah, so I I I'll, I don't know if Cool Hand and I, I just like cross so uh that's those are my predictions for the uh the entire thing but let's uh look at next week so speaking of cool hand uh, it's cool hand versus mvg i know this sounds ironic i actually think cool hand has a pretty good chance at this uh just because he's gonna be pissed that he lost the final and uh he plays well when he's actually like acutely pissed and not just like at, at the other player not pissed at the other player but when he has like an agenda against the other player uh he does not seem to do well with like the whistling and stuff like that but but they're not in the netherlands so he should be good and i mean how many weeks in a row could mvg really win um <laughs> do you want to <laughs> we say that and it's like yes it's timing I have good timing. That's that's what you hear at the end of the night. Oh, I don't have goals. I just want to break every record. Phenomenal. (laughs) Uh, And then we have the snakes matchup. We have, uh, so do you actually, I should ask, we're going to do this more formally because we're adults. Uh, So I am going to take cool hand in that match. Who do you have? Yeah. uh, I'm going to go with, with Humphreys as well. So, uh, and then the next match is the Snakes match, which is uh, Aspinall versus Snakebite, Peter Wright. Aspinall, the 100% Aspinall. Uh, if there's one guy that Peter Wright could not play at his absolute best and beat, it's Aspinall. But Aspinall also seems like he's rounding into form a little bit. He hasn't been, I don't think he's really been blowing the doors off like a, and we'll get to it in a minute or two, Ryan Searle or Gary Anderson are in the, or even Peter Wright is in the player championship. But I, I think he's kind of learning to that it playing dort, dorts. He's learning that playing darts a bunch is important. If you want to like do, do well in darts tournaments, uh, just, just an observation that he, he learned last year. So I, I think that he, he might go on a little bit of a run here. The this is the next match is actually really hard to predict for me because they're both uh, guys that um, can literally win or lose any match at any time for any reason. That's uh, Gerwin Price and uh, Rob Cross. Uh, this one's hard, but I'm gonna pick Cross because I picked him to finish in the top four, so this would be helpful for that. So this is <laughs> self-serving, sure, but it's I think this is as big a coin flip as you can have in a tournament like yeah. this like that, yeah, absolutely. there's a lot of evenly matched guys but those guys styles seem evenly evenly matched right oh yeah absolutely and and the other thing that you have to kind of factor in is this is a this is an action-packed weekend for all of these players as well because mm-hmm. they are going to be having a match in the uk open on friday evening um they always, I mean, as far as the schedule is concerned, this is the one thing that you can always count on as well. The Premier League night in Exeter is always the Thursday before the UK Open. So they do that intentionally because it is fairly close. This arena <laughs> um, more closely resembles a barn than it does somewhere that you would actually hold it. Brad, they had the World Championships at a, at a bar for like a really long time and 
to be clear to American fans, we don't mean like uh like a like a beer hall like you would have in like Germany necessarily. Uh what we mean is like an English pub with like an open area in the back. <laughs> like <laughs> somewhat notoriously barry hearn uh walked in and his feet stuck to the floor and he's like i think we have something here (laughs) like he's like lakeside is is not a it is literally a bar so the idea that they would play in a barn like structure i mean they played in the the wigan tennis center last two weeks ago i I, i'm gonna i'm just gonna read off a quick quick little uh factoid for you here the west point arena in Exeter, where mm-hmm. this is being held, was built in May of 1990 with a total construction cost of three million pounds. Which is not a lot for a building uh, where people go and watch stuff. <laughs> and, and the architect who designed this arena is the Devon County Agricultural Association. <laughs> so when I say When I say it's a barn... I mean, it is a fucking barn. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, I want them to do it in weird venues. If you could play darts more outdoors, I would want them to play on like beaches and stuff. That would be cool. Like that, that would be a really a great way to sell the game. But then the wind would get involved. And then the last match that we're going to predict, I think, uh, who, actually, who did you pick? I pick Cross. You pick... I'm going price just to be different. Okay. Yeah. Fuck you, asshole. <clears throat> Sorry. Got a fuck you caught in my throat. Uh, so Lidler versus Smith. Uh, this is, I believe, a repeat of the first week. Uh, it's definitely, I think, the first repeat match you would have. Or no, is it? Did they no. play the first week. They they played they they faced off in the semifinals. So this first. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. So this is the first matchup since the first week i think yeah well the, the way they do it they, they do like the first seven nights you play everybody once mm-hmm. in the first yeah, round figure. so then you play everybody yeah. once in the first round and then you kind of you know there's going to be matchups of course that kind of go on in the later rounds but um yeah they, they, you're not going to have any identical first round matchups oh, no. until the second half of the season oh yeah that totally makes sense but i i, I just remembered them playing and it was the first time littler looked like he got stopped by somebody and not just you know, missed a checkout or something like that, or or made a mistake. It was just like he got play outplayed by Smith. So I think that's that that's why I kind of remembered it specifically. I'm going to take Smith in this one. Actually, I love Luke Lidler. Uh, this is going to be very upset with me, but I'm taking Smith in this one. Uh... Yeah, me too. Oh, I know. Wow, way to <laughs> fucking bite off me, asshole. Um, so I actually basically kept the notes because uh, we're going to get to the UK Open. We have one more piece of business to cover, which is the uh, players three and four. Um, I just wanted to take time to uh, single out Brad's uh, spectacular genius. He uh, predicted <laughs> that Ryan Searle, again, uh, about two weeks ago before the players championship started that ryan searle would uh play pretty well over the first couple and he made three finals one one and i think he made the round of 16 in the fourth one so yeah, it was either round of 16 or the quarters i think yeah and then one of your favorite players uh damon hedda won the fourth one so that's he brought the heat 
Damo Damo brought brought the heat. Uh, did I say that right? I'm not. I don't watch uh, all those dumb Australian. I watch Bluey. That's it. Uh, you watch the weird sports from Australia. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Thank you, Brad. It was really, <laughs> really reassuring the way you said that. Yeah, yeah, I think you said that right. Whatever, man. <laughs> uh, so, but no, if you and if you look at the top ten, we did want to take some time looking at the top ten. So there's some surprise. There's a surprise or two, like uh, Nails, Niels, Zonneveld, Neil Zonneveld, and yep. Kellen Rids are in the top 10 yep. which isn't super surprising it's not mind-blowing but it's not necessarily something you necessarily respect michael van gerwin is in the top 15 despite missing the first two uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the play these this is where it gets interesting the players championships are always a, a fun one because like you said this is a chance where a lot of the big name players will not mm-hmm. enter all the tournaments um and you can kind of just because you are the 115th ranked player on the order of merit doesn't mean you can't make some noise here. Like you, this is where you do see a lot of fun, fun people like win the tournaments. That's why the players championship finals at the end of the season is always fun as well, because it's based, the seeds are based on where they finish in these rankings. So you will see times where like MVG mm-hmm. will have like, will be like the 23 seed or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. And it's a hard road, but it's it's also I probably think he kind of likes the challenge of like, oh, I don't have to go to these. I'll win a couple so that I qualify and then. Yeah. And I just love the idea that someone works their entire season to get like this great seating. And then they're like, all right, who do I get? Fuck. (laughs) Oh, him. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so yeah, let's just go through the top 10 real quick because uh, you have the awesome and we will be, once we get the website up, I know I keep saying it, but it's a lot of work on the back end. Uh, so once we get the website up, we'll have stuff like this uh, on the ready and it'll be updated uh, by us and it'll appear to you. Uh, so the top 10 right now is Ryan Searle uh, with 37,000 and then Gary Anderson, number two, 26. Luke Lither, 19.5. Damon Hedda, 18.5. Chris Doby, 15.5. Peter Wright with a 13.5 thousand of K, however you want to put it. I don't know if they use K. Is that metric? Do you know? It's a, it's a joke about how I hate British people. No, I love them. Uh, Jan Van Veen, my boy, is at, uh, is the one. It has 11,000, which is pretty good for a kid his age. Uh, also, probably sells a decent amount of darts. Uh, and then RVB, uh, who is always he's so weird because uh, he's literally one of the five great five to ten greatest players oh, yeah. of all time, and he's also a total like head case that uh, is basically playing. Uh, I don't know if this is libel because uh, he's divorced and needs to pay for his alimony. <laughs> he also has probably the worst hairline in any. I don't even want to limit it to just yeah, sports, it's... just like ever, ever, ever. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great, Bob. Uh, so that and like I said, Kellen Rids at nine and uh, Niels Zonneveld, uh, and they had they're the first ones under ten thousand. And and the way it breaks down is basically, uh, what is it? If you win a tournament, it's fifteen. Yep, they just make the semifinals. Yeah, it's ten. Yeah, they just they actually just increased the the whole overall purse this season. So the winner gets fifteen k, runner up gets ten k, and then semis are are five, and then obviously it goes down. Um, a bit but yeah once you make it to really the if you make it to the the quarter semis that's where you can kind of get a little bit bigger of a payday 
Yeah. And speaking of payday, I, before we get to the UK open, I did want to mention one thing. This somewhat pertains is they, they overruled, they went back and I, I have a better understanding of what the actual rule change was. So I wanted to clarify oh, for the Euro tour you're saying now we, for the Euro tour. So basically they still get what you would, you would basically consider an appearance fee, but that appearance fee does not count towards the order of merit. So they basically split the difference, which is what we had talked about would be the way to go is mm-hmm. you reward people who are ranking very high and are getting automatic qualifications for this. Yep. And you basically give them the money for showing up. But at the same time, you don't, you don't incentivize them just showing up for the sake of showing up, they have to win to have that money count right. towards their actual order of merit, which is the perfect way to do it. Is you reward guys for getting into the automatic qualifications, mm-hmm. but you don't punish the people who are trying to get there by making it so that they get they can never actually like catch up. Right. And then part basically. of yeah, part of that was also because the way that the Euro tours work is the top sixteen in the Pro Tour order of merit. So that one year ranking system would be the 16 seated players. And then anyone who is in the overall two year order of merit, who may not necessarily fall within that one year pro tour ranking in that top 16 would also qualify. So the way what ended up happening was the 16 seated players, if they lost their first round match, they would not get the money on their ranking system. But if the overall two-year ranking players, if they lost their first match because they did not get a buy, they would still get their money. So it almost benefited mm-hmm. you at times to not necessarily be ranked in the Pro Tour because if you, you would automatically qualify for the Euro Tour, so you're guaranteed for the first round money, whereas if you had that first round buy and lost, you got nothing. So this was just mm-hmm. a way yeah, that kind so, of guaranteed that it, that you, there weren't people who were maybe who are kind of tiptoeing that line between Pro Tour uh, top sixteen and then the Order of Merit sixteen. They, they were able to, you know, there was motivation for people to win, and that's really what it's all about. Exactly. So the excellent. I think uh, I normally don't go excellent job by this promotion, but good job by you guys. Um, so. Speaking of all of the things we've been talking about, I'm very excited. Brad's very excited. We're going to talk about the UK Open. So um, your sister went to school in Baltimore. Correct. Right? Did you ever go to the Preakness? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think the French term is clusterfuck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the best way to describe the UK Open? Because it really seems like a weird... The best way to describe it is if the Preakness happened during a music festival. Because like there's all these different stages and shit, right? Mm-hmm. There's the eight stages. Uh, we'll, we'll link to the graphic that we've been referencing uh, for all... We'll be referencing for all of this stuff that Brad... I think the PDC just tweeted they just tweeted it out um, so they so that we'll be we'll be following that basically but it's a lot of matches a lot of people i've never heard of 100 157 Jeez, matches to be exact. that's 157 matches across eight stages honestly the friday the early friday session is probably one of my favorite sessions of 
starts the entire year because you're going to have, it's first of all, I'm an early riser. So the coverage starts at 6 a.m. So the, the, they have, they break it down into essentially, they have the eight stages broken down into like, kind of think of it as like three rooms. You have the main stage, which is obviously the main room that that's where the big crowds are going to be. That's where the quarters, semis, finals are all going to be played. Then they have a secondary room with still a fairly big stage, but nothing like over the top. And that's where kind of, as a kind of, as you might guess, the secondary best matches are going to be played during that time. And then there is a third room that contains stages three through eight. They're all lined up next to each other. uh, Very similar to how the pro tour floor tournaments would look. So you can, I was there last year and I was able to watch multiple matches going on at one time. The players are, maybe five feet from you as well. Um, but it is, I started off there on the Friday when all those sessions began, just to kind of watch all the different players that were coming through. We were obviously keeping an eye on the Americans like Danny Lauby and Jules Van Dongen. Um, but it was, it was a, a great, great session. And now that they, I mean, they started, they started doing this last year where they're streaming all eight of the boards. It used to only be the two boards. Um, but I am, I'm excited to, to be home for the first time to watch as many streams as I possibly can. So we're going to go through the different tiers. Uh, we're going to start with the most interesting to me of the qualifiers because I has one ever won. This is the Riley's Sports Bar qualifiers, which are a series of tournaments, right? At Essentially, yeah. literally at like sports bars, right? Are they literally at sports bars? Yeah, exactly. Anyone can enter it. I think it's I think it's like 10 pounds to enter the tournament. And they have six tournaments over the course of two to three weeks. Um, and the winner of each tournament is able to, not able to, they qualify for the US, the UK Open. Um, Luke Littler won one of them last year and qualified for the UK Open. He was on, he played on the main stage. And I remember watching it with my brother saying like, oh, that's cool. This like random 16-year-old kid qualified for the UK Open. Good for him. I wonder if we're ever going to hear about him again. Oops. Well, not oops. There's no way you would. I mean, you could know if you paid attention, but whatever. You live your life, Brad. Uh, but there's, so there's, I, I don't know most. I know Connor Scott, right? Yep. I think we all know Connor Scott, uh, who randomly will appear on uh, Pro Tour events because yep. he is towards the back end of the uh, available people towards the people on the order of merit list essentially right they have people who kind of yeah. are in reserve when people yeah, drop the top out rank. from the pro tours exactly the top ranked they go by the order of merit for the challenge tour so the secondary ter- tour that the pdc holds yeah and the other interesting one and i figured you could spend some time talking to, uh, about him is leonard gates who is an american player um you follow american darts a little mm-hmm. bit closer than i do <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Leonard Gates um, really, as far from the U.S. perspective, really started making a name for himself during the U.S. Darts Masters, not this past year in 2023, but back in 2022. Um, really got, really became a fan favorite. He won the North American Championship against Danny Baggish, who at the time was a PDC Tour card holder. Um, he, his nickname is The Soldier because he loves just kind of like listening to like soul music. And he, when he's on stage, he's definitely cutting a rug. Um, so that, that sounds cool, I think, right? But he, um, he's he's also gone on to play in the seniors tour and has won a, all of the senior. Yeah, he, he held at one point three of the four 
seniors championships. They just had the world seniors championship overall uh, just about two weeks ago where he did not win that one to, to kind of sweep all four of them, but he did uh, hold on to, to the three, the champion of champions, the masters, and I believe the match plays the third. So he is um, defending definitely. Champions. Yeah, but he yeah he's he's been doing very well in this in the senior tour. But um, no no real surprise I would say that he he won one of these. Um, but he's like he's, a le- he's, he's an, ele- an American legend essentially on some level, which is not like kind of that big of a deal because <laughs> we don't have the best darts history. But like relatively speaking, he's like a an important American darts player player in the sense of like he's he's if you know american darts players he's one of like 10 <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 for sure i would a legend might be a bit of a stretch but he he's definitely a player to know so we do have one american winner of a pdc major tournament and that is larry butler who won the inaugural pdc world match play back in 1994 um if so if you're if you're going to name us American darts legends. He is certainly on the list. As a matter of fact, he was host or he, they, he was part of a, an event that was being put on at a local bar near me. The CDC was uh, doing some marketing for, for a tournament they were putting on locally. So Larry Butler was attending this bar and I brought one of my friends there to kind of check it out and see how ridiculous it was. And as we walked into the bar, my friend asked me, hey, where's this Larry Butler guy? I'm like, oh, we just walked by him. He was the one that was chain smoking outside the bar. <laughs> king stays the king. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> uh, so you actually just mentioned the senior darts. So this is the uh, the top. The next group we're going to talk about is the top eight ranked players from the 2023 Challenge Tour Order of Merit who didn't have a tour card uh for the 2024 season right that's it's pretty complicated that's what i'm this some of the uh the ways in which you qualify for this are comically convoluted yes so these yeah so the for the development tour and the challenge tour both of them the top eight ranked players on the 2023 order of merit for each of those so the development tour is kind of like the youth tournament the challenge tour is kind of like the minor league system is the best way to think of it Top players from there will get tour cards at the end of the season. So these are the eight players below who either did not win the tour card through the Order of Merit or did not win a tour card through Q School. So still some fairly big names. Um, on the- well, like I was, uh, like you were just talking about with the Senior Darts World Championship, John Henderson is one of the exactly. qualifiers, and he won that. That's yep. the guy that won it. Exactly. So. so still some big names. Like John Henderson is a, is definitely a big name. Scott Mitchell is a big name. Ron Muhlenkamp. Connor Whitehead. Honestly, all of all, all eight of them. Wesley Pleiser and Christian Kiss. The huge. And then for the Dev Tour, you have like Sebastian Bielecki, Rusty Jake Rodriguez, the of the famed uh, RJ Rodriguez brothers. Huge. So fucking <laughs> annoying. Uh, the reason I say that specifically is because in the listing of the names, because they're both RJ, they literally have to spell out their names both, and they're the longest. So just names. so you're talking, so you got <laughs> so you got Rusty Jake and then Roby John. That's who you're referring to, Roby John. Yeah, they're both RJs. Oh. So when they spell them out, most people get like a, a, their last name right, or they'll get their first initial mm-hmm. and last name. 
Uh, these assholes basically have the first same two initials, so they just spell out their names. You ready for this one? They have an older brother, mm-hmm. Roxy James. I'm really proud of this family that they've like developed a real passion. An they're Austrian, yes. right? Um, they're Austrian with the RJ names, the Rodriguez last name. Um, they are true true citizens of the world yeah jesus christ and i want to punch every single one of them for having to spell out this guy's whole ass name it's like 18 syllables and i'm spelling each one uh so and and so above essentially so these are the people that are in the first round right so this is um these are the the groups of people that are in the first round who are kind of on the outskirts of the first round i think it would be fair yeah to say, absolutely right? And then, then the next group of people that uh, are in the first round, and I think this rounds out the people mm-hmm. in the first round, right? Uh, I'm going to keep saying <laughs> right, Brad. But uh, so, and the, those are the last 32. Uh, yeah. 32. We, sh- we should clarify one thing as well. Adam Hunt, who is a PDC tour card holder, did withdraw. So, so that is worth clarifying. So it's generally, and and then not only that, but also Adrian Liu. So it's not a field of 160 players like normal. It's 158 players. So that's mm-hmm. just worth clarifying as well. And those people get buys, right? Yep, there were two buys given in the first round um, for the for the tournament this year, just to make up for the for the uneven numbers there. Um, so yeah, and it's it's those two guys. Uh, so really, there's I don't think there's anybody here who really stands out other than if you uh, Jules Van Dongen. Mm-hmm. We're always going to root for as uh, as our adopted American, uh, our beloved uh, uh, guy who can't beat French people. <laughs> Whatever, man. Um, so uh, a quick little aside, some inside baseball. So I do a lot of stuff in cheats for the darts data tracking I do. Uh, and I usually do a thing where I split text into columns. And normally it works great. But this time I decided to do if there's a space between the names, split them. Because for most people, that's a really good idea. Because their first name is one name, and then their last name is just another separate word. Just one word. Um, and then you have all these Dutch fucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Van Dongen. And I don't know if de Graaf is... I'm going to... Van Der Waal, Van Der Velt. Uh, Van Der Voet, Van Gerwen, Van Veen. It's worse than the RJ Rodriguez because at least those are hyphenated, so there's no space. (sighs) Makes me so angry. Sorry, I just wanted to blame uh, the Netherlands, Holland, the whole thing uh, for giving me an aneurysm in a week. For having to go through each individual time that there was a Dutch name and combining them, but you can't merge them. You have to individually go into each cell, copy or cut, and then paste into a new cell. I'm okay. You're going to have a wild weekend. I just, I hate the Dutch so much. <laughs> just for this. I used to love the Dutch. Brad knows. Brad watched the, uh, what was it, the 2010? Yeah uh world cup final i i I played hooky from work i told them i had to do something and i just fucked off from work 
and went with Brad to a bar in town uh, and got drunk and watched my favorite soccer team lose the World Cup final. So that was fun. It was a great day for me, you fucking pricks. Anyways, none of this is getting cut. Uh, so uh, these are the end of the first round. Um, the only name I'm really familiar with uh, and it's just because he is often compared to guys like Lidler in terms of young players is uh, Leighton Bennett. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a name I've heard a bunch uh, in terms of a guy that kind of has a chance. I've also seen Paul Crone play, and he's very funny looking. So I like that. Not like grotesque, like gilding. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of looks like he's he's he just really likes playing darts and doesn't think too hard about anything else <laughs> is that fair to say about him? yeah that's that's a man that has his priorities in order uh so and, and again i think so these are the first group of people from uh, the next group of people we're going to discuss and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the people that i think really have a chance in the next group or two but this is the last one i think of people who would be very much surprises to win are there any names so christian perez played well in one of the pcs i think it was the third one might but it might have been the fourth mm-hmm. one he made it to a semi-final uh he's the only name i see of somebody i've seen play very well recently i think barry uh van peer if i remember correctly has played well mm-hmm. um so it's not as though nobody's doing anything but i feel like there's really no one in this group that sticks out oh actually I take that back Niels Zonneveld has played pretty well. He hasn't blown the doors off of it, but he's his top 10, which means he's played pretty consistently. I think he could get past the second, he could get into that kind of like fourth round spot. Right. I, I think that's kind of like a place where you could kind of see him and he's, he's good enough that you could, and it's darts. So you can definitely see somebody just randomly like that getting through i'm not saying it's gonna happen i'm saying that's that's somebody who feels like they're kind of putting in the solid darts um oh god there was another well, they, name oh we got andy bottens who won the the wdf world championship just just this past yes. year yes yes uh, yeah there is that the the wdf <laughs> the the uh, phoenix from which the uh, the BDO grew right. That's yeah. The, that's and we got and one name I'm gonna drop is Aaron Monk. If you want to see a darts player that is wearing the tightest possible pants, it is him. This this is a guy. The best thing. The, and just to kind of put this in perspective, the best description I've ever heard of him was when he was matched up against Gerwin Price. And Dan Dawson referred to it as the creatine darpy. <laughs> so I want everyone to know I muted my microphone to close something off and kept laughing. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Uh, that's why he has so much water weight. I'm definitely going to cut that joke. Uh, <laughs> So, and I think, like I said, uh, so that that's the, there are a couple of dark horses, the real dark horses, like, like dark horses, like the ones you have to find in Zelda to complete the game, get a hundred percent, like those kind of dark horses. Um, this next group is really the first group of people. You're going to see people who legitimately feel like they can win the tournament. Uh, so 
I don't think I'm uh, so everyone knows how I feel. I mentioned a couple of times, uh, Ricardo Petrescu or Pikachu. I definitely think he has a real chance of, of surprising. This seems like a tournament where if the crowd gets behind him, he could really ride that. He's a very, very, very talented darts player. Uh, Callan Rids uh, is, is top 10, like we said, and he he's, he's right at 33 in terms of the overall order of merit, but <clears throat> In terms of the race to mine, he's in the top ten. There's there's definitely a lot of people. Jan Van Veen, uh, and uh, the interesting one, uh, Peter Wright mentioned Mike De Decker, and I wanted to bring that up because he seems very like I really think he's gonna do well. Uh, I've seen a lot of Jermaine Watamina, uh, mm-hmm. who he seems like he's playing pretty well. These aren't necessarily somebody like that isn't necessarily somebody I think could win. I think Jan Van Veen can maybe make honestly like a semifinals. He, he's played pretty well in big tournaments. He played well in the uh, World Series. I think he made the yep. semifinal. Uh, there's definitely Jim Williams played very well in the World Championships. There's th- Like I said, this these are definitely a group of people where you would not at all be surprised if any of, not any of them, but if a majority of them made a final or semifinal, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, how do they do that? It's kind of what this tournament is built for, right? Yeah, it's all it's all part of it, like the luck of the draw. And this is the tournament where you see a lot of random names that will make the final, that will make the semifinals. So it's it's not out of the ordinary whatsoever for for anyone like this to, to even make it. So I would not be surprised if I saw like Vincent Vandervoort or Ian White go on a run, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. Cameron Menzies, I don't know. Um, he has actually <laughs> he has twice in his career missed the start of his match because he was taking a shit, <laughs> which is hilarious because he's a plumber. So if it, it, the toilet got punctured, you, have, you have to fix it. In theory, they'd be like, "No, you're you know what to do." <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think it it happened. I believe it one time it happened in Q school. I believe another time it actually happened at the UK Open. <laughs> I want to say in 2020, the the COVID year, <laughs> or was that tw- no 2021? It would have been. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, I gotta take a shit. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst British accent of all time. Jesus, oh, he's he's, he's Scottish, Scottish, oh, even he, worse. Sparrows. <laughs> There's definitely, I think, a handful of guys. There's one or two guys you might even put some money on. But the favorites, the big boys, the the people who have a real chance, and that's not just because. So the, that group receives buys into the third round. This is the final group. This is the the best players in the world, the, the big names, and Andrew uh, the, Gilding. These are, and in, and Andrew Gilding. Why do you have to why do you have to say his name? <laughs> the only reason he's this high is because he won this tournament. Yeah. like objectively. <laughs> yeah, he, he the winner gets one hundred and ten thousand. So yeah, that's it's huge. Yeah, you can eat out on that for a year because of the nature of the qualifyings and the rankings. Uh, Luke Lidler is only thirty-one in this or thirtieth. He's ranked thirtieth in this group. So uh, that's somebody towards the back end of the uh, seedings. But obviously, he's going to play a major role in this tournament. Uh, uh, honestly, I think someone like Scott Williams could do uh, oh god i'm gonna cut the jim williams williams thing i think it's scott williams uh, scott williams could do well in this tournament um those are out of the t- i would say out of the back 16 actually no i mean if you look at the back 16 uh it's you got bunting you have chris doby bunting Searle. <clears throat> sorry just throw from my mouth gilding <laughs> uh 
you have uh, Gary Anderson, who's been playing exceptionally well. Like we said, he's he's two in the race to Minehead. He's been playing very, very, very well on the floor tournaments. In terms of the back 16, I think you have Lidler. You have a, a guy like Dolan, Gary Anderson. There, this is where you're almost, I want to say more likely, but you are almost as likely outside of a Van Gerwen to see... Uh, just this year, I don't know if this is the case every year, but it seems like there are a decent amount of guys on the back end of this who could totally win it. And somebody like Littler would be something close to, if not a favorite, one of the guys uh, with the the low, the the least likely to make money in terms, you know what I'm saying? Like the odds aren't yeah. going to be great. Uh, and then you have uh, Gabriel Clemens who will probably show up and the Germans will get excited and then he'll disappoint everyone, right? Is that what, is that? That's his thing, right? That's recently, what he does. recently, um, has been. Chris Doby, uh, as we know, is very pissed off that he's not in the Premier League. I could see him just being like, fuck all y'all, and just going on a tear. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's played exceptionally well the last six months or so. Uh, he really should. Uh, we've said this over and over again. He should, probably should have been in the Premier League. So out of out of that kind of grouping, I think Chris Doby would be my my pick right on the edge of that back 16 because it's him and Ross Smith. They're basically interchangeable. And then you got the top 16. Uh, I don't think we need to spend too much time on uh, Dirk Van Ouija board uh, or a Dimitri Dreammaker Van Debert Vandenberg, another asshole with the split name. Uh, so I, I think... So yeah, Luke Humphreys, Michael Van Gerwen, Danny Noppert won this a couple of years ago, I believe in 2021, yep. was it? Uh, and then, yep, so, yeah, 20, wait, 2022, 2022, he beat Michael Smith okay, yeah. in the so, final. See, that's why we have Brad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I think if you're looking at the top 16, these are people who, like, if they won, literally no one would be surprised at all whatsoever. Damon Hedda, maybe. But even that, he's been, he played very, very well uh, in in the most recent Players Championship. He's like he's a guy with a lot of real, he's a real darting talent. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not kind of like how do I put this nicely? Dimitri Vandenberg. I would be surprised if he won. Not that he's a bad player, but I don't think he he really glows the way that someone like Hedda is in terms of the way he's playing right now. I, I, I've seen, he, he, I feel like that's a guy that could get to a semifinal, a quarterfinal, and you wouldn't be surprised. But if he won, you'd be like, damn, did everyone else play very poorly? <laughs> Where Hedda <laughs> could get a part of the pun hot. And that wouldn't surprise me because I've seen him get hot and play very well. And he doesn't have, He's not uh, cringe the way that uh, Vandenberg is. I I don't. He he's the guy I like the least outside of Gilding, uh, in terms of just like watching him play. Uh, he just kind of I can tell all the other guys feel like they almost feel like oh this this guy this guy's gonna do a little spin dance. Oh god, I hate him so much. <laughs> I hate Belgians in general. So I think that's just part of the deal now. Um, I'm just developing really intense uh, hatred of specific ethnic groups, but it's okay because they're all they're all white. All of them. All of the ethnic groups are white. That I hate. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. That, oh. <laughs> that, that checks out. <laughs> I might cut that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, do you have anybody in this top 32 that you're really thinking will be um someone that could end up 
not just winning because anybody can win right anybody in this top 32 i don't think we'd be shocked shocked but somebody who could really dominate this tournament Do do you have somebody in mind it's so difficult to dominate this because like i said there's no set bracket so you just get you if you win your your match you get put into a hat and your your name gets drawn out against anyone so i mean right now the pdc has done the drawing for the first three rounds um so once that's completed for the from you for the u.s time once that's those matches are completed friday morning they will do a draw on the stage and just have random players matched up against people so in the fourth round when these top 32 players get enter the tournament you're gonna see times where Michael Smith is drawn against Gary Anderson in their first match of the tournament. So it's just so it's so tough to predict. Yeah, you know, I mean you got you're gonna have the favorites. You're probably gonna have like the you know Luke Littler, MVG. You know the big names are gonna be. You're gonna get some better odds, but they may get a crappy draw and you're you know they'll get knocked out early. It kind of reminds me, and I may have mentioned this earlier, of a college basketball like a conference tournament where there's kind of. It just can randomly, oh, this team isn't actually that good, but since it happened it happens in Greensboro, they play well because they're, you know, UNC Greensboro or something like that. I'm not speaking from experience in the Colonial Athletic Association <laughs> every fucking year. Before we close out, um, can you just give, I mean, we've spent about 30 minutes talking about it, but just give one people one last push to watch this. Just, just what you love about the tournament. Just give us, give us everything you got. Oh my god, there's just it's there's so many matches in such a short time frame, and like I said, it's going to be the first time that I'm going to be able to watch the feeds or the streams of stages three through eight, which is probably where I'm going to start. I'll probably have multiple screens up, but I'm going. It's very interesting to see how the the different boards are going to work off of one another. Like in the past, I would have the two different streams up and then I would have, I'd be tracking the rest of the matches on dark connect. So this is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to see a lot of just random matchups. You're going to see the draws themselves are just so exciting because it, literally anything could happen. So it, it's just going to be a great time. The rap, the matches are going to come rapid fire on Friday morning. They're better. They're you know, first to, First to six, I believe, at that point. So it's just they're going to come one after another, and there's just very little downtime um, when the, when the in between matches as well. Super excited! This is my first time, so I'm glad we got to go on this journey together, Brad. We do this week have a special edition of content for the Darts Curious, uh, Brad. You went to Mexico last week. I sure did. And what did you do while you were there? <laughs> uh, I went to Mexico to visit my sister, and I brought my lovely fiance Colleen down with me. And we ended up going to the local dive bar where we were able to put together a sort of Ryder Cup esque tournament of darts. Um, we did the. I hope that hopefully this is not awful, but we did Latinos versus Gringos in this match. Um, so we had, and it was, and by these teams, they were, it was very loosely put together teams. Pretty much if a random person walked by the bar, we asked them where they were from and it was pretty much Mexico and Argentina versus us and Canada. Um, yes, we can. That's yes. what, that's what I have. And the gringo, <laughs> the gringos won. 
on a fantastic match. We probably had about 20 or so people just watching surrounding the board. Uh, the Gringos won on a bullseye that my sister Emily hit. So very, and, and did very you, and What did you, sorry, I think you said it, but what did you guys play? You played cricket, right? We did play cricket, yes. Yes, which I'm starting to fall in love with, uh, not as someone something to watch necessarily, but as something to play. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun because I can't do checkouts worth dick. Exactly. Uh, wow, Brad, you didn't have to... <laughs> <laughs> and mine's mine's pretty simple actually i think if you haven't already go out of your way to subscribe to the love the darts podcast it is i think the gold standard of darts podcasts uh it is excellent they get great interviews they have real in-depth discussions about structural stuff the nature of people's play it's way better way more in-depth than our shit uh really smart people professional television presenters uh professional darts writers it is where brad and i go i think to like learn more about darts in the present day in terms of what's going on the news they do great explanations they have incredibly bright people working and and one of the things i love most about darts coverage is it's so niche that everyone that does it loves the darts loves watching it talking about it talking about the people in it talking about the different equipment like everything so it's really cool right brad's the one that brought it to my attention but it's it's an awesome podcast right brad oh yeah yeah it's put on by the people like the sky sports folks so Mm -hmm. you get the same same commentators for the most part they always bring in the experts they do post-match little wrap ups or post night little wraps up wrap ups i should say of the premier league every week which is usually 15 to 20 minutes as well um where they have the interviews with the players but always always very awesome informative stuff and so for the major tournaments i don't know if they do it for everything but they for the world championships they do an episode literally every fucking day it is incredible how like how in depth they get every day because they're it's it's really like a, a feat because they'll literally have a podcast out like two hours after the premier league with interviews with discussions it's it's awesome uh so yeah definitely check that out and um brad uh you should post the picture of the uh the dartboard that you sent me the second you got to Mexico. <laughs> Brad just texted me like, check this out, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, dartboard right at the hotel. It was incredible. I was the only one that was excited out of my group. <laughs> yeah, they don't need to know that. <laughs> they they know. No, I'm, they know. I'm, I'm, I'm saying uh your your sister and your your fiance, they don't need to <laughs> this is ours <laughs> yeah it's our moment uh so um fucking hate ending shows 